thank you, Cloudy <laughs> Bay, for having us. Um, we've been really spoilt at this festival. They just do a lovely job with the accommodation, yeah. the nibbles, the wine, yeah. and just being really nice people. So we're really grateful to be here. Thanks. Um, so I've been a huge fan of Emily's Feels Like for a really long time. Um, she's a Wellington-based writer and editor of The Spin-Off Parents, uh, mother of two, best-selling author of Rants in the Dark, and a writer, speaker, and activist. So her second book, Is It Bedtime Yet?, is out now. And it's been out about a year, is it? Six months? Oh, yeah. A while now. Yeah. Um, and she is an unashamed extreme woke lefty. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I would Google that phrase, and she's the only name that comes up when you Google that. <laughs> oh, that so, makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to the festival marketing for embedding that into Emily's so good. Um, online presence so forever. Good. Um, I, one of the things that really amazes me about her is her ability to connect with people through her work. Like she's always had this amazing online community to spring up around her writing. And I remember that from back when you were on Twitter as Boganette, and you went through your teenage diaries, reading out, t- tweeting out bits of them, and it was just the funniest oh, was day wild. on Twitter. It was hilarious. I forgot about that yeah. until you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, it was really Thank good. Thank God that's not online anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gosh. Um, <laughs> So I think she's got an amazing ability to boil an issue down to its essence and her writing is just so powerful and I feel like she's doing a kind of a, um, a social education campaign, oh you know, goodness. educating people. But anyway, I'll stop talking and, and let Emily really discuss things. But um, um, oh, it's hard to know where to start, but maybe with Rants in the Dark. I mean, um, yeah, Rants in the Dark, which was your first book and obviously was um, took you onto a mm. national stage, whereas before maybe you were sort of more of a social media... Yeah, nobody read my blog when it was just about feminism. Yeah. (laughs) So what was the process of that book and how did that Um, come about? Well, I mean, that's so funny you say that you remember the Boganette days. Mm. That was like a long time ago. And um, my husband and I are real Bogans and and, um, we had this idea that like a... A woman like the version of like a bogan is a boganette, and um, and I just thought that was really funny at the time because I was like eighteen, and um, so I would Twitter used to be a cool place before it became a toxic trash fire, <laughs> and I used to and I really liked that medium of like little short bits and like the teenage diaries I found my teenage diaries and they were horrific and so I thought it would be really funny to tweet them out um but I stopped doing all of that when um the Boganette stuff there was this real push and pull between I was a very bad journalist at the time like I was real bad at journalism um I would go to people's houses and they would be like, there's been a terrible accident, can you interview this person? And then I would, like, sit and hold their hand and talk to them for, like, half a day, and then I would come back and my editor would be like, Emily, where's the story? And I'd be like, I'm really sorry, I didn't... I just feel like this person's really vulnerable right now. And my editor would be like, this is literally your job, Emily. And I just couldn't do it. Or I would call MPs, like, I think it was, like, Rodney Hyde or something. And I would just be like, your behaviour is outrageous. And, and he would just be like, I want to talk to a proper journalist. And I'd be like, you have me. So I, I was made redundant from... Um, 
burst out the door. Like, are there any journalists that like that one? Um, so I was made redundant from the... Does anyone remember the New Zealand Press Association? Yeah, such a... I thought, I'm so idealistic. I thought people would be marching in the street about that place closing. I was like, they won't... New Zealanders won't allow it. They won't allow us to end the last independent news agency. And I, they were just like... Eh. <laughs> so after that I just felt really like and I had heaps of issues with journalism the quality journalism or whatever the not being able to be objective even though nobody is objective in, in this world so anyway really gave, like I gave up on all writing I was like I'm just shit at it I give up and, um, and I never thought about it really I didn't think about it at all for years and then I had um, my second baby and he was three weeks old and I just had this like I was so sleep deprived and I just felt like my whole world was like coming apart I was like how does anybody do this it's so hard and I just felt like this is the worst because you've had the babies you can't like give them back <laughs> they're just stuck with you and you're just like so, like, you have to do it well. This is the hard thing about it. You can't just be a kind of average shit mum. You have to be, like... So I was just like, God, how does anybody cope with this um, thing? And so just one night, both boys were kind of tag-teaming. One wake up, the other one. And then I went to the toilet, came back, went to... Got one down and, that, you know, when you're just like, everything's on fire. And um, then... I, there was no room in the bed, and I was like, this is not fair <laughs> of anybody. I need the sleep, and everybody else is sleeping. I'm never sleeping, and or they're sleeping in, like, births. And, and I'd had this aunt of mine, and I feel so terrible, but she was like, I said, man, my kids never sleep. I can't never get any, can't even get into my bed. And she was like, be grateful. These are the best days of your life. <laughs> cherish every moment <laughs> and she's like when I um, my boys don't even talk to me now you know and <laughs> that's a bit of an exaggeration but um, and I just felt like this pure incandescent rage like fucking red mist I was just like fuck you like and I just like I just felt so like I'm like I'm crying in the shower. I just let me say that I'm tired. Like let me feel these things. It doesn't mean I don't love my kids. It doesn't mean I don't love being a mum. And in like I don't want the boys sleeping in bed with me when they're thirty. Like you know like. So I just and I I had been sending to friends. We had kind of sent each other little bits of poems and random messages and all that and I just thought I'll send it to them but I put it on the old WordPress which was empty because I'd you know kept it just in case I ever wrote something and then yeah the rest is kind of history it had like a million hits overnight and then I um, went into my email and I had 15,400 and something emails and it was real wildly validating because all it was like I always remember this woman from Lubbock, Texas. It's the same example I use every time I do this story, but she had like eight hundred million children. 
And um, I'm serious. And, and she um, like said to me, she was like, it's so hard. Um, and when I say, um, I'm just so tired, people say to me, why did you have so many children? And I was like, oh. It almost makes me teary now. I'm like, man, what else? What? Where else do we do this to people? Where, like, imagine at your job and you're like, I'm really struggling with this task. Can you help me? And they're like, well, you you took this job. Fuck you. You know, like I just, it's we're so mean to mums. (laughs) Like I just, and so I had this when I read like thousands, thousands and thousands of. Messages from all over the world from, like, places I had to Google to work out where they were from. And everyone was... Well, there were two camps. There was, like, you're a terrible mother. You need your children taken away from you. But the others... (laughs) The others were, like, all basically the same. And they were, like, I feel invisible. I feel like nobody sees me. I feel like I'm not as good a mum as my mum. I feel like my mum doesn't think I'm a good mum, I feel like my husband doesn't, you know, like, it it was just this constant sort of thing, and then from there, I just thought, okay, I'll keep writing and see if anybody reads it, because it was anonymous, and at that stage, I'd had a lot of people sending me my own stuff, being like, (laughs) she's mental, you'll love her. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, mate. (laughs) Seems pretty eloquent and intelligent to me. Um, <laughs> I got it for so long, I got that for like two years, because I was anonymous until the book came out, and Penguin was like, so Penguin rang me and was like, do you want to do a book? And I was like, who is this? Is this you, Jim? Fuck you. And then I Because <laughs> she sounded like I would imagine one of my friends would put on a voice to be from Penguin. <laughs> and nobody rings you and says do you want to do a book with Penguin Random House? That's not a thing that happens. And she rang back and she was like, actually, my name is Margaret and I'm from Penguin. And I was like... (laughs) She's like, do you want to write a book? I was like, yes, I really want to write a book. Um, And then I was like, oh, no, and I Googled how to write a book and that's not... (laughs) I was like, oh, no, I have to write it? Like, that's so unfair. It's so unfair that I can't just... Anyway, um, I'm sorry, this is, such, this is what I do. I just keep talking and talking and talking. But I was going to say that actually the thing that kept me going with that was right after the site kept crashing because it just couldn't handle how much traffic it was having. And I was getting all these emails that were like, we'll help you monetize your... Immediately, if you do something, people are like make money from that and you're just like oh capitalism and um and then yeah so they were um this one guy said I'll help you um to stop your site crashing so I met him and he was like I do SEO and I was like what's SEO and he was like it's search engine optimization is such a wanker and um he was like what you need to do is use certain words and then it will show up on Google, and then people will read your... And I was like, I I feel like I'm all right for that. And um, he was like, no, no, this is what mums look up. And he was like, baby sensory antenatal groups. And I was like, I can't do 
you know, I, I can't do that. And I said, none of that interests me. I don't want to sell stuff. And I said, anyway, all I care about is what mum's searching at 2am. And he goes, um, oh, I can do that. I can actually pinpoint times in, in your New Zealand where... <coughs> and I said, OK, so what are mum's looking up at 2am? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and he said, um, yeah, my good mum... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's still like, and he was like, boring. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> I just had this full, like, just oh, all the feelings in the world. Um, and it still makes me really, because I was like, oh, who do they have at 2 a.m.? <laughs> I'm such a crier. I'm just like, hi, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, so that's still, whenever I'm like, oh, this. This sucks. I'm like 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Lady, I don't know. That's my thing. Mm. So that's why I kept doing it. It wasn't like a, um, yeah. I'm sorry, that was the longest answer. You'll probably get. That's great. You'll probably get to ask two questions in an hour. Very happy to do that. So. Um, yeah, you do seem to be the lighthouse. You know, but uh, your writing seems to be a, a light for people who are going through some really dark stuff. Um, and your book, um, Rants in the Dark, was about that, wasn't it? It was about being on the bathroom floor, mm. or isn't on the bathroom floor at 2 a.m., um, not knowing what you're doing with your life. Yeah. And, and you wrote it as a, um, yeah, I mean, a help. It was yeah. an, another mum to be there to, to talk to you. Yeah, I kind of had this idea that I wanted it to be a friend in the night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And has it, um, I feel like you've, you've you kind of get people trying to shape you and what you're saying along the way of your career. You've had people like the search engine guy. and mm. um, what, Is it what you wanted it to be or did you have to compromise in some aspects? Or um, I was really lucky because um, with Penguin, they had an idea of what the book they wanted the book to be and it was the first year of a child's life, month by month. And I was like, that's a dumb idea, but okay. And... Um, <laughs> And then I went to start it and I wrote, like, the first three weeks as you gaze at your baby, blah, blah. And then I was like, oh, what did I write at that time? And I went back and it was fucking dark. It was real. <laughs> it was so grim. I read it and I couldn't even remember writing it and it was real, like, and it was raw and real heavy and I was like, I can't go back and write this time because that's what we do. It's a beautiful thing we do about parenthood that every year that goes on, you're like, I did it with my firstborn um, when I said I wanted another baby and my husband was like, really? And, um, and then he's like, are you going to, what, we're going to do the whole thing? We're going to like give birth and stuff again? <laughs> and I was like, I believe I was the one giving birth. But... <laughs> But I was like, um, oh, it was pretty easy. I just... <coughs> and, and I just totally, like, when I first got those labour pains the second time, I was like, oh, no, I remember. <laughs> I was like, oh, stop. Stop the train. I want to get off. Um, so... Yeah, like, but we do that, and it's wonderful that we do that with parenting, and I do it. I've literally found myself being, like, to a new mum 
even because my youngest now is four, and I've been like, oh, baby, oh, it's so lovely, isn't it? And she's like, Emily writes. I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) you know, so what I did is I said to Penguin, I was like, it's not possible. If I go back, I will sugarcoat everything because I'm remembering a baby and I'm wanting myself to be a better person than I was and I'm wanting myself to have been to have coped better than I did and that isn't worth anything like it isn't worth anything to anybody um so I said actually it's just got to be those first things I published um and they were real good about it and I added to them um with some distance but I didn't edit them and that was quite hard I had a very strong desire to edit myself as a better person. <laughs> I had a very, you know, like, um, and I said to my husband, oh, you know, you read it and we'll make sure we're okay as a family with it and everything. And I'd said to Penguin, no author photo, I'm not doing any publicity or press. And then fucking Sunday TV program followed us for four days. <laughs> and my husband, who's the shyest person, Sunday came to film... And they were like, can we film your husband? And I was like, no go. And they were like, and I remember they said, do you want to, my publisher said something like, do you want to write a book or sell a book or something? And I was like, okay. But it's true, like you have to do it. It's part of the process. And my husband was like, okay, I'll I'll do it. And um, they filmed him and it was like a I write hostage video (laughs) or something. Like He was like, and they were like, you're, you just, your shoulders down a bit and he was like (laughs) and then like he kept slowly like he might just and they were like um, they read him a part of the book to start it this part called Love and Nappies and he goes oh that's real nice hun and I said you didn't read the fucking book (laughs) and he said it was really long And it was quite boring. (laughs) And he said, because I knew what was going to (laughs) happen. And I was like, damn. So after that, yeah, it was like publicity everywhere. And they didn't use the bit of Alex. (laughs) So he said, how does that make you feel? And he said, good. (laughs) And then they were like, and they were prodding him and they go, "Um, how do you feel about how your wife talks about having sex with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> and he was like, I'm very proud of my wife. <laughs> that was his whole... <laughs> they tried to be like, because I'd written about this movie, and I'd be like, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's muscles. And then they were like, how do you feel about your wife writing about sleeping with other men? And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't do that. I just did what any normal woman would say about Dwayne the <laughs> Dwayne Rock Johnson's <laughs> muscles. <laughs> Um, Sorry, sorry. No, 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 this is great. No, I'm (laughs) exactly how I thought this would go. Mm. (laughs) Good. So um, you literally had a million hits that overnight, that first blog that you wrote. Uh, What was the response to the book? Because it seemed to me, watching, that there was a huge um, ground spell of people saying, yes, this happened, me too, like finally someone's saying that. Yeah, the book was like big, much bigger Mm. than, and my husband was like, I thought it was going to be like an e-book or something. <laughs> so it was real like... Um, yeah, it was huge. 
and that was real. And then I did a tiny bit of media um, and everybody was like, re- started recognising me. And mm. I was like, oh, man. Because that was real hard. That was such an adjustment for my family to go from being anonymous to not and having people stop us. And, like, my, especially my husband is so shy and, like, he was, like, if I used a word for him, it would be, like, steadfast or something. He's very, he's like my house, you know, or something. I don't know, that's mm. a weird thing to say. No, but I just nice, see, yeah. I feel sheltered and secure with him. And he finds that real hard um, because we'll be in the supermarket or something and women will come up and they will cry and I will cry and he'll be like, please, I just want to buy He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to get some eggs. <laughs> and we'll be like sitting on the floor of the... Oh, no. <laughs> just, he just finds being married to me such a struggle. It's just like... We've been together like 17 years and it's just like, every time he's like, what have you done now? <laughs> well, he knows you so well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah he knows. He so loves you have that strong base on which to build this yeah, insane yeah. career. And he loves a strong woman. He loves being bossed around. <laughs> yeah. loves, um, it. loves it. Well, with that um, attention came abuse, which you get a lot of because you're a woman having opinions in public. Yep. So everyone seems to hate that. Um, what, how did you deal with that? Um, oh, I cried a lot and, and drank heavily. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's just like I was, I get asked this question all the time and, and the thing is I, my approach to it is that if I got used to no human being is meant to have people tell them that they hate them and it's just not, if we ever got used to that, we would not be okay. So I think it's probably a good sign that I haven't got used to it, that it still feels like a kick in the guts. And I've had a lot of people be like to me, you need to be more thick-skinned, you need a, you know, and I'm like, well, I can't because being thin-skinned or however my skin is, it, um, that's how I be the parent and wife um, and friend I have to be. Mm. So I won't... I won't let these people change me so fundamentally. And I think we just have this real attitude towards abuse, online abuse, abuse of um, writers and or journalists and um, this idea that you, that the person has to change to cope with the abuse. And I really, that I find mm. that a real, um, I'm like, why? what is so wrong with me that I deserve this? Because that's what ultimately the thing is. The idea of don't read the comments and all that, it, it's all aimed at the person being abused. And then people, even if I say that, they're like, well, you're not being abused. You're quite, I'm like, this is what it is. When you wake up in the morning and the first ping on your phone is you're a fat cunt, that is abuse. Like Daily, um, monthly. For absolutely, yeah. daily. And so... You know, that I won't change for that. And, yeah, I just have this real kind of a little bit more peace the more I go on about it where I'm like, actually, I won't I won't change for you. And also, you know, my husband is real... Um, he's real good at just, like, I come home and he's like, you know, I don't know, we have, like, a... 
He just has this thing, like, gives me a kiss on the forehead and I'm like, I'm home. Like, mm. I don't have to. This is my home. I'm real good now with boundaries. I wasn't good before. And that's why I think I really got unwell with it. But now I'm real good at boundaries. I'm like, he, he screens my emails now. Um, I have a profanity filter and a filter that captures things like, you know, rape, murder, slut all those words and then it just goes out to them and I don't really see them anymore so I don't see them as much but mm. I'm glad you said it gen it's gendered because it totally is like my dad's a writer and he's never ever he's 64 he's never had an abusive comment and and actually I said to he wrote a piece for the spin-off um and I said to him, I would really love it if you wrote a piece about your book and revisiting it because his book was called Real Men Wear Black and it was about the all blacks and it was real toxic masculinity stuff. And I said, I'd love it if you went back. And, and I said to him, would you let the boys, my boys, read it? And he was like, oh, no, I wouldn't. And because we've been talking heaps about feminism, me and Dad. And um, he wrote this piece and I said to him, I just want to say, Dad, like, just be real careful because the comments are really full on when something becomes popular. And I had a feeling that the way he'd written it was quite, I thought it was a very good piece. And I said, I think it will be quite popular online, so be careful. And he never had one negative comment. And I was like, and I just felt like I was happy for him, but I was also like, man, I write about like, just a reminder, flu vaccine's coming up and I'll get people being like, you know, choke on a dick. And you'll be like, <coughs> right now? <laughs> you know, like, you're just kind of like, damn, that's like, just don't get a flu vaccination. <laughs> yeah. like, or the other one, like, I get, that makes me laugh so much when people are like, you the things you write make me want to vomit. And I'm like, well, why would you keep reading it if it's making you vomit? Like, vomiting is terrible. Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, so. yeah you're good at cutting them down on Instagram. Sometimes you post stuff and just like, you know, on your Instagram stories, which is... That is a real in yeah. interesting conversation in itself. I used to share with the names and photos of the men who said the most explicitly... Um, like if they threatened me with sexual assault or something like that, I would post their photo. I would blank out their children's or wives' face because you will you read something like and you'll go, is that person alright? Like and so I'll click through to their profile because they'll do it under their own name, which I'm like, whoa, and then they'll they'll I'll click through and it'll be like proud dad of two, Nelson, and you're like. You've got daughters. Mm. You've got a mum and all this, and you're just, like, casually. And so I had this thing where I, I – this one guy, I posted his comment, and then I posted a picture from his Facebook page, and I blanked out his kids' faces. And, oh, I got so much abuse for doing that. I got – and from women as well going – how dare you do that to somebody? Like, he was allowed to... I had to carry his words on my own because revealing what he said to me to the world was some kind of etiquette thing because it was by private message. And I was like, why should I not out him for his behaviour? If that was my son and I knew he was saying things to women online like that, I would be devastated. Mm. And I would be telling her on 
I'm just going to do everything I can to not, you know, I don't know. I find that wild. I don't do it anymore because now I get heaps of abuse mm. every time I do it. I get, oh, I didn't, I know that guy and he didn't mean that. And Can't I'm like, oh, joke. so he doesn't say he's going to rape you. And they're like, oh, of course not. He's real lovely, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you're just, poor man. But, but this is a full-time Unpack it. job. Unpack it. The yeah. stuff. You know, responding to all the stuff, like Clementine Ford, you know, the exactly. Australian feminist. Exactly. Clem has the far worse stuff than me. Clementine Ford's stuff is horrendous. Mine is like this compared to Clem's. And she's amazing. When I met her, I like had her book. Clementine Ford's got an amazing book called Boys Will Be Boys. I really rec- recommend it. It's really helped me in shaping how I raise my boys. Um, and it's about toxic masculinity and mateship and stuff. And when I met her, I was, like, holding her book and I was like, I just want to follow all your work for, like, forever. Can I please? And she goes, are you Emily Rice? And I just, I died. <laughs> I was like, I am come to you now as a ghost. <laughs> I just, it was, yeah. And then we hung out. Oh, so jealous. I hung out with Clementine Ford and, and the whole time I was like... <laughs> this is your life. Yeah. Um, well, on the back of all that, you've built um, the spin-off Parents mm-hmm. and you were the you created that, didn't you? Yeah. You, yeah so you edit, edit that section of the spin-off. Um, mm-hmm. And you've, as well as your voice for parents and mothers, you've also developed um, a voice for a lot of people who are facing a lot of crap from the world. Um, and we're sort of here to, t- yeah, we are here to talk about your activism as well. So mm. I was actually wondering if you would read something for us. Sure. That's right. um, we had Rules Won't Protect Women. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Or you can choose something. Um, no, I can do. This is one of her great pieces on the spin off. So, Emily. It's quite heavy. Maybe I'll read like a bit of it and okay. then we see how we go. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I don't always write. Okay. All right. Um, um, they were known as the Baker Schoolgirls, but I'll always remember their names. Lauren, Margaret, Barry and Nicole Emma Collins. They were 14 and 16 and I was 12. They were raped and murdered 21 years ago. I was only four years old when Lee Renea Mears was murdered on a beach, but a decade later at school we all talked about Lee In the winter of 2000, I was 14. We knew that girls our age were being raped at train stations around Sydney by packs of men, and we learned to walk carrying sticks we picked up from the bush on our way to the school, where a few decades earlier, Chris Dawson had taught PE before his wife went missing, presumed murdered. This week, he was arrested. Sticks wouldn't have been any protection from us being added to the list of names we knew. I moved to New Zealand and new names found a place in my head and in my heart. Sophie Elliott was born on the same day I was. I used to think often of her mum and dad and my mum and my dad, holding us both at the same time, at same moments, in two different countries. And I still remember the number of times she was stabbed. My friends of all ages have names they'll forever remember. Carla Cardinal, Cursa Jensen, Mona Blades, Teresa Cormack, Christy Marceau. They all have one woman who taught them that it's not safe to be a woman. And we don't just remember the names, the faces, how and where they died. 
we remember how they were talked about too. I went to school with Jennifer Hargrave. She was murdered by the side of the road in 2001, age 17. I remember staring out of the church window at her funeral and seeing blossoms in the trees and desperately hoping her family might find peace somehow, though it seemed impossible without her. When I returned to Wellington from Auckland after the funeral, I heard my new classmates talk about her. Well, she was hitchhiking, so that's why it happened. We told ourselves these stories because all of the people in our lives believed there were a list of rules we could live by. If we followed these rules, we wouldn't become a warning to other girls. Lily shouldn't have been at a party. Those girls at the train station should have come home sooner, not stayed late, even if it was to finish studying for their exams. Jennifer shouldn't have hitchhiked. Sophie had an older boyfriend. If we followed the rules, we might be okay. Everyone talked about the rules. Don't go out after dark. Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to older boys. But Kirsty Bentley was just walking her dog, and it was 3 p.m. Still we told... Still, we were told about the rules. We all knew them, so why did girls like us just keep dying? Today, a new generation of girls will head to each other's houses at the end of year school catch-ups with Grace Mullane's name on their lips. They'll talk about the rules. The rules Grace should have known too, because she surely had her own list of names from her own home country. Things don't seem to have changed for these girls, we learned these rules from the adults around us. They taught us, whether they intended to or not, that the men who killed girls just like us were not wholly responsible. They made us believe that even the youngest girls were somehow partly to blame. After all, they didn't follow the rules. I wonder, as more information comes out about Grace's death, what will young girls around New Zealand learn from adults? What have they already been told about backpacking, about being out after dark, about talking to men. But what will our boys and young men learn? What messages will we be teaching our sons, grandsons, brothers, nephews, if adults start talking about the rules, the rules that don't protect women anyway? What reinforcement will we be giving to the men who bash women for talking back or rape women because they didn't follow the rules? What will they hear when you talk about rules? Um, yeah, I'll just read the final bit. Um, Hope lives only in the idea that new baby girls born today might grow up without the names of other little girls weighing heavily on them in the dark, that they might survive to be adults who can tell their daughters that the rules are bullshit, the rules don't apply, that they might have sons that they teach instead. <laughs> So again, it's up to women to try and change the situation that we've got. Um, you know, with Me Too, there's been a big movement towards exposing more of these cases, but again, it's women doing all the reporting, doing all the work, mm. and they're the ones sharing it on social media, and men will either throw a shitty comment, like, mm. well, she shouldn't have been out late, or just ignore it. Mm. So <laughs> it's like, how do we get men to do something about it? But how do men I just change think this? that I can't... I think about that a lot, and I think I can't base my activism around what somebody else is going to do, um, and so I don't, that conversation of how do we get men to care, 
takes up too much space in my mind to actually do the mahi that is needed. So I just don't think about it anymore. And and I also think that maybe as much as things don't feel like they're changing, sometimes they do, depending on, you know, like one of my greatest sort of heroes in life is um, Mr Rogers. Does anyone know Mr Rogers? He's... Um, he was this sort of, he had a TV show called Won't You Be My Neighbour and um, it was a kid's TV show and his whole thing was about service. He was a Christian pastor but wasn't too, you know, full on about it. Um, and his whole thing was about service and his whole message was that everybody is special and everybody has a right to dignity. It was this lovely message for children that we don't really send to children anymore, which I think is quite sad. Um, and his whole thing was to not look at what somebody else is doing to stay in your... And that's what I try and do. Like, I just think we could tie ourselves in knots about how do we make people care about people. All we can do is... And I also believe what raising children, doing that mahi is really part of it. Mm. Like, I'm raising my boys in a very particular way in the hopes that it might combat. And I'm having conversations with my father about feminism, a man who grew up in a surfing family where women were accessories, you know, like he's doing that hard unpacking too. And he's 63. I've had a lot of... um, real looking at some ageist um, kind of views I had on, like, older men and um, that disconnect, like, the generational way all the generations try and... (laughs) Oh, God, it's so hard. Um, And that's been a real thing for me to try and unpack how I feel about, um, you know, people of my dad's... um, like men my dad's age and stuff like that. And so, I don't know, I just feel like you've got to be so focused on... You, there's so much we've got to do. We don't have time to be like, <laughs> can I <laughs> can I convince you to mm. care about women? Um, I just think, yeah, head down, tail mm. up. We've got work to do. <laughs> um, and so part of your activism is also promoting voices of people who don't traditionally get them. I mean, yeah, mm. so... And your second book was about that as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I said to Penguin, like, immediately, seconds after Rants in the Dark was released, they were like, what's your second book? And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) Just had a baby. And, um, yeah, and then I was like, I want to book that um, as all these, as many voices, as many experiences as we can to try and paint a picture of what parenting in New Zealand is like. Um, and I want, you know, queer families and families of different, um, you know, races, culture, all these different things. And, and I feel like, is it bedtime? Yeah, is that? And it's why I love spin-off parents, because I really, that was my baby, spin-off parents. Um, because... Um, I hate the term mummy blogging, but, like, the the voices in a lot of motherhood stuff are white, sort of wealthy kind of women who have the time to do this stuff. Like, I often had editors, I would send them an essay or something, and they just wouldn't get round to paying me. 
And I would be like, you literally have to pay me. I have to pay rent. And they had this idea that writing for mothers was a hobby um, and that our husbands would just, like, you know, subsidise this. And it was fascinating because I talked to... I, I met Julie Cowley. Oh. And I talked to her about... And, um, and Fiona Kidman. Oh, that was so amazing. Um, real name jumping, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and, but they had this same... Thing. Like, I wrote my book on my phone and they wrote their book on, in, on yeah. paper and pen. I was like... Oh. When the chapter children went to bed. Like yeah, done when the children went to bed. But they had the same thing of, like, people expecting this, like, women's yeah. work, like, writing about motherhood is just a hobby and it's frivolous and it's, you know... Like, I had such a hard time getting paid because they were just like... And I kind of get the idea that this hideous social media influencing mummy blogging thing of like, oh, the, the capitalist machine of, you know, it makes me feel real ill. But a lot of that is I'm at home when the kids are at school and um, I'm bored and so I'm going to take photos of my house and, you know, and look how clean it is and look how well-dressed my children are and all that. And, I, and that's a, a big thing. Um... But, yeah, I can understand the idea that we're all, like, <laughs> that all these mums are... These, yeah, I haven't explained that well. It's just that there's kind of two camps yeah. of people talking about parenthood. There's, like, perfect Instagram world, and they are actually super wealthy. <laughs> and then there's those of us who are like, please, can I... <laughs> yeah. Can you please pay me for my work? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because you, you got companies approaching you wanting to be that sort of... Oh, yeah, I still do. Yeah. Like, Dyson wanted to fly (laughs) me to Auckland. (laughs) Why the fuck do I want to go to Auckland to see a vacuum cleaner? (laughs) I was like, are you serious? (laughs) And they were like, oh, we've never had somebody turn... And I was like, are you serious? Nobody's turned down going to see a vacuum cleaner? And then the next week, literally all these fucking vacuum cleaners on Instagram and they're like, I love my dad. <laughs> and you're just like, those things, did you know they cost like thousands of dollars for a vacuum cleaner? Yeah. And then I, and I, did, such a, I did such a sanctimonious <laughs> comment that I had to delete on my page. It was real. I was like... I was like, oh, imagine how much school lunches we could have paid for for all these free dices. And then yeah. I was like, mean Emily, delete it. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. There's like, like HelloFresh and all these things coming to be like, I'm like, I couldn't afford HelloFresh. Why would I? And they're like, but we'll give it to you free. And I was like, that doesn't change the fact that I couldn't afford HelloFresh, you know. And then I'm like, okay, I'll write about your product if you give it free to Women's Refuge for six months. And they'll be like, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and then they give all these rich people more stuff. And there's, oh, can I just say, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, way off no, no, topic. <laughs> but this, okay, this is how much social media stresses me out. Like, they have this thing called, have you heard of unboxing? Oh, it's so bad. So they film themselves, they get sent boxes of stuff, and they film themselves opening up the boxes and going, oh, this is awesome. And this is, oh, I'm just like, 
oh, this is so bad for people. Like, I just feel like it's so, like it's just a celebration of materialism and, and just, um, and they're like, oh, you really need this rattle that shakes itself. I'm like, what? Yeah. The baby shakes it. That's the whole point of the rattle. <laughs> Like, it, it just stresses me out so much. And if I said yes to doing sponsored posts and influencing, it's called. It's called influencing. Um, if I said yes to it, I promise you, I would not be able to get in the door from all the stuff they would send me. And then when I say, oh, I'm doing another charity event, can I be sent some stuff? And they're like, nah. Mm. So they're just about, it's just about image. And then this mum at home with crap everywhere like her house is meant to be when she's got a week old baby, is then looking at that and going, I have to clean. And she puts her precious little baby down and cleans. And maybe she's recovering from birth and all that and she's, Mm. I just, it's so insidious and I'm just like, it's all connected and I really am like one of those conspiracy theorists with all the lines, yeah. like, this leads to this and this leads to this yeah. and fast fashion and the oceans and the <laughs> just really, oh, it cranks my, cranks my crank, oh, it makes me so angry. It's like you're mean in your columns. I'm like, how are you not angry all the time? I'm so angry. (laughs) I was just going to say, if anyone has any questions along those lines, Emily. (laughs) We've got 11 minutes. So (sighs) any burning questions? Yep, down the back. Yes. Wouldn't be anything without social media. That's a good question. Um, My husband doesn't even have email. He's just not on anything. If you Googled his name, you wouldn't be able to find him. He's always like, Facebook is the devil. I'm like, Facebook pays our bills. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I have, like, I think Facebook is an absolutely evil corporation and I have to be on it for work. Like, there's just nothing I can do without... Um, I never had a Facebook page when I wrote the blog, and um, but without Facebook, people wouldn't see what I write. Like the spin-off, we're in a constant fear that Facebook is going to make more changes because it will sink the whole website. Mm-hmm. Like um, people don't search for. Uh, Like, they don't go, oh, well, it's new in feminism this week. They follow feminist pages on Facebook and they, you know, without social media, I'd be real. I'm a lot more selective now. I'm not on places like Twitter, which I think have really lost the plot. And I try to limit my personal use of Facebook. But at the same time, it's kind of that frog in boiling water. I can't get out of it. And without it, I don't have... it's. You know, like, oh, the pre-orders of my book were from all around the world and there's just no way that you get that without... Like, I know authors who aren't on Facebook and aren't doing it that way, but mine is totally... That's my... Like, I can't reach people, especially because I don't often 
tour and stuff or like, you know, I've done with the play, my book turned into a play, I've done that a bit, but I don't want to be away from my kids too much. So so social media is where I meet my community. And I talked to mums that like, I met a mum the other day and she was like, we were talking online at 2AM yesterday and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, you know, so it's beautiful and it's horrible. And I just, that wasn't really an answer. It's just the whole flawed whole model of, like, I'm a vegetarian and I just ate, like, McDonald's before. <laughs> I just can't do it. I'm just such a, like, we all real flawed, like, in our approaches to yeah. things. Mm. Yeah, sorry. That, I don't know if that answered your question. Um, anyone else? because we're in a group together. <laughs> I've got such a great... So one thing the Facebook algorithm, which is real messed up, it does, is if you have a certain amount of followers online, like, say, over 20,000, you start getting messages from Facebook saying, you need to start a group, you need to start a group, because they want to then put ads in your group and direct sell to people. And so that's why mummy, mummy bloggers have groups and the, the hideous places, they're like 60,000 sleep deprived women <laughs> screaming at each other um, online and and so I kept getting make a group and I was like I will never over my dead body have a group where women fight with each other about parenting mm. and um, someone said I did this group called um, the Zach Efron shower scene appreciation rom-com club <laughs> Because um, there's this movie that I like that has Zac Efron in the shower. Um, and I just, I think it's a real gift to humanity. And, um, and so I started this group because I was like, I bet other women have seen that scene in that movie and been like, wow. And then they've Googled his age to make sure he's old enough for you to... Um, and he is. He's 24. Um, Can people find this on Facebook? Yes, yes, you, you can. can. It's a secret it, yeah. closed group, but you can find it. And so anyway, <laughs> other people started joining it word of mouth. And we have a question that you get asked in order to go into the group. And it's like, um, what's your fantasy? And a lot of it is like, you know, um, Idris Elba, like, ironing <laughs> the, <laughs> like the kids' school uniforms with no top <laughs> on. Or like, or like Dwayne the Rock Johnson doing my dishes. Or... <laughs> You know, or like a team of, of men with no shirts on coming into my house while I sleep for 12 hours and I wake up and my house is clean. Um, you know, they're very specific mum fantasies. Like, But that's this way of saying you have to be part of this community. And it's about 650 mums in it. And it's just the most wholesome, beautiful place. Like, n there's never been a fight in there. There's never been anything. And all it is is mums will be like, did you see Outland um, what is Outlander. it called? Outlander yeah. last night? And, be, and then all the comments will be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so great. It's just this pure objectification of men. <laughs> And, oh, and the rule is there's no men allowed in the group. So it's like, and it's just beautiful. And, 
And so, in a way, I was, but I would be like, no, that's my secret happy place. You don't get to know about it. And also, I don't think these people who abuse me care. Like, I don't think it's not like they haven't seen the things that I do or anything. They just kind of have decided they hate me. Like, just because I'm a woman online, I could be anyone. You could just switch me over, and they do, they do the same thing to other people. But it's just because I'm extremely openly. Um, feminist and I kind of show my vulnerabilities too much like I just kind of have a sign on me like oh this really hurts if you do this so they're like mm, bang 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 <laughs> um yeah I don't know if I answer yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. No, it's it is a genuinely beautiful place because you become really when you're free to talk about. Oh, this is such another tangent. But if you're a woman and you're free to talk about sexual desire and like your sexuality and all that, it's the most like freeing, wonderful thing. Like I've got this real obsession with reading about um, like in the sixties, feminists um. They, they're just heaps of them were so cool. Like, does anyone know Betty Dodson? Like, she used to get groups of women together and teach them how to orgasm with a Hitachi magic wand. And I, like, I'm just like, this is amazing. I've been reading about her and I was like, wow, she liked to, and they reckon like some crazy number, like, she taught like, 1.5 million women where their clitoris was or something, you know. So I'm just really like I'm not going to run around with a Hitachi magic wand. I'm going. I've got one in my bag. No. Um, but I just find that whole thing about, you know, women can't talk about sex or, and especially if you're a mother, because that's like this another layer of taboo. And so what I love about this group is we're all like. Look at us, we're all still horny beasts, even though we've had kids, and you know, and we're all, yeah, I just am in conscious raising groups that they used to have. Oh, that would be cool if we brought that back, don't you reckon? Like, it's a good touchy, Instagram touchy magic one. <laughs> like, I'll ask Dyson, bring <laughs> <Yeah. freak> out <laughs> if you make a Dyson vibrator, <laughs> I will put it on Instagram. Yeah. For free. You don't even have to pay me. <laughs> oh, no. <Yeah. laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good public service that you're doing. Um, does anyone have a final question? <laughs> Go on. Yeah, lady. I just think that perhaps Lynn could set this group up. Yes. <laughs> Do it, yes. I love it. Oh, yes, oh, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. 
My dad yeah. asked me this. Yeah. Some one of the comments was like, "What a cool woke dude!" And my dad texted me and was like, "What does woke mean?" <laughs> um, woke is, is um, slang out of the states and drag queen culture, um, and it means to be awake to injustice. Yeah, mm. like you're woke, you're awake. Um, mm. You can see the world around you and your privileges and how you intersect with those. And yeah. Mm. So are you woke then? <laughs> you going to be woke now? Yeah, yeah, we're all woke. Love it. Thanks, Emily. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're all lovely. Um, so and nice. if you wouldn't mind staying seated, Emily will be signing books. Salador. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. So You're all you... just splendid. You've been lovely. You just <laughs> filled my cup up. I've had such a lovely time at this festival. You're just such lovely people. Such <laughs> bright and shiny. I've been staying at the shack. I feel like a millionaire. Oh. <laughs> just, oh, I had a bath and like... You, you just, when you go to the toilet, you look out the window and there's a winery and it's like a, you know... And my husband said, oh, a poo with a view. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so fancy. <laughs> You're meant to put the shades down, and I didn't. So, <laughs> so sorry if there was some vineyard workers just like, oh, God, we're going to have to pay for their trauma council. Um, yeah, but what a great festival. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.